0: Welcome to episode 20 of season 2 of The Search with Canda podcast. My name is Jack Chambers Ward and I am once again joined by the one, the only Mark Williams Cook. We're back together finally and this week we'll be discussing automating some migrations, Wix's new learning hub, Performance Max updates and Edge Images plugin. Search for Candor is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of the fantastic free tools, such as their Instagram hashtag generator, Google update tracker, hreflang validator, or if you want to track your site's visibility index. That's systrix.com SWC for free SEO tools, and systrix.com trends to sign up for the Trendwatch newsletter, which we'll actually be talking about later on in the show we're back welcome back thank you you've been off for a month i think yeah is that the longest you've ever taken off of the podcast it is i'm glad you're here (laughs) i I just want to say in the intro
1: there you really like build up my name yeah there but i think actually we should be doing the same to you because our astute listeners may have realized jack has joined the double barrel
0: surname club i have i have So congratulations. Thank you very much. I am now officially Jack Chambers Ward. I am now a married man. Got the ring to prove it. I think it just
1: adds an extra air of sophistication that we're now both double-barreled. It
0: did worry me that the listeners might think I'm just copying you, trying to be like, oh yeah, I want to be cool and host the podcast (laughs) as well. With Mark Williams Cook, Jack Chambers Ward, and just be like, yeah. That would be an interesting reason to propose to (laughs) your... considering i proposed to my partner long before i ever met you ah uh, so you're saying it's
1: the long game gotcha. yeah it's the long game yeah 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 anyway so
0: we had that discussion of double barreling i was like oh perfect i'll be just like mark
1: <laughs> i can apply for a job <laughs> that's how i get the job at Canda, right <laughs> we're going to talk about automating migrations so migrations which um I think they're kind of a love and hate and thing from SEO point of view. Lots of people love diving in, getting involved in a migration, tends to be kind of the more technical people. Uh, Some people, um, it just fills them with fear and dread. And I can understand why, because sometimes even the most carefully
0: run migrations can go wrong. Yeah, we've covered it a couple of times on the show for a, a variety of reasons, including what we talked about with the Primark updates and stuff like that, and even talking about people migrating from one CMS to another and things like that. There are a variety of different ways you can migrate your site, but yeah, I think even done incredibly well by very experienced developers and SEOs, something will go wrong at some point and there is always going to be snags along the way. So I think it's interesting coming up with this topic we're going to talk about with bringing some automation to that and maybe taking the pressure off a little bit from some of the people actually doing the nitty-gritty work around migrations. Yeah, the whole
1: section we end up doing when we look at visibility uh, scores on things like Systrix is normally the game of, wow, what did they mess up in their migration? Yeah. That's what, that's what it boils down it's, to. It's the
0: winners and losers stuff. It's always like, oh, they migrated their site and they've dropped off the face of the planet. Oh, they updated their directory or migrated their, they got a new CDN or whatever it is. Everything's dropped off the
1: face of the earth. So as Jack said, uh, automation can be super helpful, as we know from a lot of different aspects of SEO, um, from time-saving to um, reducing human error, which is always obviously a risk. And I saw a very cool chap called Daniel Emery, who's the head of SEO at PWD, post on LinkedIn about a Google Colab script. So Google Colab being basically an online place that you can Uh, execute code so you don't need to worry about kind of having all the packages and everything locally and it's a tool to help you match up urls for redirects so this is normally the most laborious task when it comes to redirecting especially large websites migrating them which is okay well this product or this article is being maybe recategorized and it's going here because of course migrations can be a good time to do a content audit and decide how if you want to change categorization over. And that can become then a tricky task where if the URL change is not uniform, i.e., okay, well, our articles aren't just, you know, changing URL structure slightly, they are being recategorized. Then you have the very laborious task of matching up, okay, this article is now here, this one is now here. And of course you can build this into various workflows so you can Instruct maybe the client as they move over content to try and keep a record of where where things go, but that process is, uh, from experience, very open to human failure. So what this tool is is, as I said, it's a Python script, or as I said, it's on Google Colab. I didn't say it was a Python script, but it is a Python script that uses TF-IDF, which is text frequency inverse document frequency, to compare the similarity of two sets of URLs in. CSV files. So you will essentially do a screaming frog crawl of your current live website and then a crawl of your staging version of the site. And what this tool will do when you upload those uh, CSVs is output a list of matched URLs by their similarity, and it will give you a precision recall curve that visualizes the accuracy of the results. So what this is going to essentially do is say, well, I've looked at the, um, the text on this page and I'm 99.9% sure it's the same as this URL. And this will go down and basically save you a lot of time because if you've got this high degree of confidence that they're matched, you can pretty much take it for granted and you just need to work from kind of the bottom up where... Um, the
0: match isn't as close. Exactly. I think that's the key part there as well. There is still some manual work in here. This is not automating the entire process. And I think that's a positive personally because just leaving everything to, oh yeah, it's like 60% sure and it just redirects it automatically is maybe not a great idea. (laughs) It's almost a coin flip. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Having the ability or the the option to kind of go in manually and say, oh, okay, we're like, have a cutoff of say like 70% or 80% or whatever it is, whatever that similarity is you want to kind of have then having a look at that and comparing that yourself is still going to save you so much time to actually match them up properly. Because, as you said, Mark, matching up with like a V lookup in Google Sheets or whatever, or in Excel, whatever you're doing, it's going to take a very long time. So, it takes a lot of that kind of data input, manual stuff out of your hands, kind of automates a lot of it, which is lovely, and then still leaves you the option to change and, and swap things around if you think, oh, no, actually, it thought it was correct, but actually, no. I want to change that manually. You still have the option there as well.
1: I think it, it's important to remember that the purpose of a lot of these tools is actually just time saving. Yeah, um, that-
0: I think that's true for a lot of. Not enough people realize that about so many of the tools we use as SEOs. You could go out and do a bunch of this stuff yourself and list all your URLs, but you have something like Screaming Frog or using Semrush or SysTrics, who sponsor this show. Like, there's so much of that stuff you could do that will take you days and days to gather all the data. Or you can just get a tool to do it much much quicker
1: exactly i had this exact conversation with someone yesterday they were they were asking me about um how also Ask is different from a tool that they were using already um and I was pointing out that, that actually they're very similar. It's just that also asked is way quicker at mm. returning the data, and they were kind of like well it you know it already well I can already do that and I was pointing out to them well you don't even need that tool because you can just go and look manually at all the people and the reason you're using that tool is just because it saves you time so this one saves you even
0: more. Do you want to google a hundred different things look at each SERP individually copy and paste each PAA exactly a similar thing I was talking with when I had Andy Chadwick on the show last week talking about how keyword insights and how him and his uh, business partner Saganthan have talked about how they've built Keyword Insights to specifically be faster than its competitors. You can chuck in a hundred thousand keywords into Keyword Insights, and it will come out in a matter of hours. Whereas some other tools, or if you're doing like if you're trying to cluster things manually, that could take you days and days of sitting there in a spreadsheet, head down, scribbling about, trying to hope you know you're getting the clusters right and and building them all together. So yeah. I think that's totally right. And that's the right approach to a lot of tools is, is thinking about it that way. and say, Oh, it's going to save me a lot of time, but it's not going to give you the final answer necessarily. It's not going to give you that 100% guaranteed success rate, but it gets you enough of the way there that you still have that, you know, bringing your expertise as an SEO, as a digital marketer to come in and be like, okay, yeah, this is the last bit I need to do to kind of finish things off.
1: So we'll post a link to that tool on the show notes. As always, they'll be at search.withcanda.co.uk.
0: Next up, let's talk about some Wix, shall we? We've talked about Wix a couple of times since I've joined the show in in season two. And as, as has been the discussion of the SEO community, they've done a really amazing job of kind of being the black sheep of the SEO CMS community a few years ago to now being really kind of groundbreaking and pushing things in a really positive direction.
1: Well done, mordi
0: Yeah. <laughs> well done, mordi and the SEO team over at Wix. I know you guys have been, been doing that really consciously, and I think I speak for a lot of SEOs who work on Wix sites. Thank you for doing that. And they've actually expanded their SEO offering even more into the Wix Learning Hub and I think it's particularly interesting because a lot of these CMSs have like, oh, you know, Yoast when in, in WordPress will do a little thing and give you some guides and some tips and stuff like that. But this is kind of really in-depth, really well-written, interesting guidelines and, and, and a full kind of knowledge course, essentially, for using Wix for SEO. And like I said, I own a couple of sites so I use Wix for for some of my other podcasts and some of my other projects. And I've been using... Wix tools and the SEO elements of Wix for a couple of years now and this is just kind of expanding that across that and they have really fantastic really expert people on their side on their teams to really give you guys fantastic resources so if you are kind of thinking about using Wix for SEO or maybe you're newer to SEO and want to learn a bit more and are thinking about using Wix for your next project or you've just started working with a client and it's your first Wix site this is a fantastic hub that is all free by the way you can just go and find, you can go to wix.com slash SEO slash learn. Of course, links for that in the show notes and find everything you need to know about working on a Wix site. It's really, really good. And it includes like general SEO advice as well, even outside of just directly working on Wix sites, which is really fantastic.
1: Yeah. One of the things I liked about this and hopefully they're okay with me sharing this. I haven't checked. Uh, we So we got invited to contribute to this as well because it, it is just being done through essentially community contributions and i'm just going to read out a couple sentences three sentences from the email about that which is they said one of the nice things about the hub is we're not using it for acquisition we're not using it to try and bring in more traffic so we don't need to write content to quote unquote rank for keywords or whatever we can write content for the sake of offering a place for folks to find really good content and i think that's firstly so important and goes along you know i kind of joked there about mordy you know going back to wix and stuff but the interactions i've had with them haven't just been kind of like honeyed words to the seo community yeah. they've they've made objective changes and really made their conscious efforts yeah better. absolutely yeah and the thing i like about this is there is you know quite a lot of well there is a lot of content about seo out there and a lot of it is by uh, you and know and a lot of bad seo content there out there is, as well. yeah um but a lot, there's a lot of good content, I'd say, oh, by absolutely. like SaaS providers and stuff. But most of the time, there's always that angle. They're trying to commercialize the content. So it's kind of like, oh, here's this SEO problem, you know, and there's well-researched background. And then it's like, and guess what? You can use our tool to fix this. And yeah. then they, you know, won't mention any
0: other tools. They, or... they, they write a problem that creates the problem that then fixes yeah. the problem with their own thing. So
1: it, I thought that's such a brilliant open approach where you know the the brief is essentially just write the good content for people and like you said you know it's talking outside of the wix kind of ecosystem as well so um you can check that out again link in the podcast it's at wix.com slash seo slash learn if you want to have a look straight away
0: so as i mentioned at the top of the show we've got trend watch may 22 May 22. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we have Watch from our friends over at Systrix. That is the Trend Watch for May 2022 to talk about this week. And there's some interesting stuff, very interesting trends. Some uh, for the, perhaps the younger listeners out there, some for some of the older listeners out there. We're covering all bases here on Trendwatch. Uh, thanks to Nicole Scott over at Systrix, who has compiled this fantastic data for us. Mark, there's one close to your heart we're going to kick things off with. As a dad, as a man who makes terrible jokes, (laughs) dad jokes are on the rise.
1: And as someone who you just looked at when you said older people. (laughs) For those, obviously, nobody can see us. But as Jack said, older people, he just looked at me. Don't know if it was subconscious or not, but I still took offense. (sighs) Yeah, dad jokes are on the rise. That made me happy because I love a good dad joke. It makes sense. Yeah. You're, You're a dad. I think it's I, part of your brand. I think I secretly liked them before as a dad. Ah,
0: you you finally like embraced the dark <laughs> side and and.
1: I mean, uh, our Instagram actually follows an account called uh, Dad Says Jokes. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, and you know. Can you
0: tell Mark runs the Instagram? It's, it's,
1: it's you know, it's not really on brand or anything like that. I just like seeing dad jokes, and you know, some of them some of them are really good. You know, let let me let me read you one. Oh, I thank like you so much. One. Just saw a real idiot on the treadmill at the gym. He put a water bottle in the Pringles holder. And my personal favourite: I met my wife on Tinder. That was awkward. Oh brother, this guy stinks. Which is true. Which is which is true. You did so meet it, your wife on Tinder. So it's got levels for me as well. That's deep, man. Yeah. That's, that's layers, I, right? I now. love this. Like account. an onion, like an ogre. <laughs> I love this again. I mean, so yeah, the the more people are searching for uh, dad jokes, why is that? more people are becoming dads yeah
0: that's what i was going to say i was (laughs) hoping you wouldn't have an answer and i was going to be like well population growth maybe more people are coming out i don't know if they are all the the pandemic babies finally coming around and yeah Yeah. and i've noticed that now being a man in my 30s myself being a married man as well i've noticed there's been a trend of a lot of my friends having kids and stuff but yeah i like i like
1: to think though that (laughs) like you say all these baby pandemic babies are being born And there's all these dads, like, there's a million things you need to know when you have a baby. And they're all
0: like, oh, better start Googling some dad jokes. (laughs) So we actually have a couple of recommendations. If you would like more dad jokes in your life, you can, of course, find the hashtag dad joke, which is one of the most consistently popular and trending hashtags on the entirety of Twitter. Represent. Yeah. And, of course, I'm sure there's something very near and dear to your heart, Mark. The subreddit r slash dad jokes. Never seen it. Really? (laughs) Never I seen don't, it. as a redditor and a man connoisseur of dad jokes, I don't believe you. Never seen it. We'll Can't f- give we'll my sources away. <laughs> we'll find. We'll find out that you created our slash <laughs> dad jokes like 15 years ago. That'd be like a magician letting you
1: into the magic circle. If I told you I knew about yeah. dad jokes on Reddit,
0: like that TV show from the 90s, that was like learn the magician's secrets. <laughs> <laughs> they actually kick you out of the magic circle. Yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That guy got like whatever disbarred, the equivalent of that is for magicians. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, unbelievably, dad jokes are on the rise. There was a little bit of a dip. We were back on the rise again. And overall, over the last couple of years, there is an upward trend for dad jokes. So yeah, r dad jokes has nearly 6 million subscribers on Reddit.
1: A rich niche.
0: But we actually end with a lovely little dad joke from Zistrix here as well. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Um, I don't know. Sophisticated. hey we got him we got him listeners i love it and hate it at the same
1: time therefore it's the perfect dad joke
0: and speaking of loving and hating things at the same time something i actually talked to with steve from sistrix because nicole Scott herself brought one into the studio because it's been trending so much recently is a squish mallow and we talked about this this as on a couple of trend watches ago we talked about this and we had no idea what was going on but turns out it's a huge thing on tiktok because mark and i are in our 30s we don't know what tiktok is and how that works so yeah it's a little like plushy squishy thing that looks like an axolotl uh one of those like little aquatic creatures with the with the fins and stuff but they've now that was kind of the original one and that has kind of branched out to many other animals and characters and all kinds of stuff it's basically this big cuddly plushy Kind of chibi style, if you know that kind of artwork, uh, the kind of cutesy kawaii Japanese style. Everything's very like round and squishy, and yeah, it's become really, really popular on TikTok, and people are using it to like describe their mood and in- including it in their videos and dances and stuff. So yeah, squishmallows are a big thing.
1: So I just googled it and looked at images. So if you're of the older generation like me, um, it essentially just looks like a fluffy version of a Tamagotchi.
0: Kind of, yeah.
1: Mixed with Kirby.
0: <laughs> yes, it's very Kirby. If you know the Nintendo character Kirby, that is, uh, yeah, very much very much a similar kind of thing. Uh, interestingly, we actually touch on... Um, the guys from Citrix also talk about if anyone is old enough that is reading this to have lived through the rise and fall of the Beanie Babies, you should find this story familiar. It's kind of TikTok's Beanie Babies. And I wonder how quickly it will... Uh, A lot of people doing the whole like, oh yeah, I've got this limited edition Squishmallow. Do you remember when Beanie Babies were the hot thing and everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to have loads of, make loads of money for my limited edition Beanie Babies and then...
1: Yeah, I think my mum actually had some Beanie Babies. I was never sold on it.
0: No, no. I remember them being a big thing for like, never actually getting into it myself. Yeah. I I assume I'll do the same thing and never actually get into Squishmallows either, but...
1: It's still time for NFT Beanie Babies.
0: Oh, and NFT Squishmallow. <laughs> we'll have to check out the trend data on that. We'll come back to you next week with the trend data of NFT Squishmallow because God knows that's going to be a mess. And sticking with things trending for the younger generation, I actually mentioned this in the studio earlier and a couple of the younger members of our team here at Canda, Their eyes lit up at the thought of us talking about the one and only Doja Cat something I assume Mark hadn't heard of until about half an hour ago.
1: You are correct.
0: <laughs> she has songs about being a cow. And again, she's incredibly popular on TikTok. Once again, TikTok dominates the trends. Essentially, she's an American rapper and has gathered a lot of traction on YouTube and TikTok, even working with other you know, female rappers and American rappers like Nicki Minaj and people like that. And it's kind of defining the young female rapper and internet culture kind of thing and just doing weird stuff to become viral and it really seems to be working for her she even then kind of trended once again when she talked about quitting music on twitter the other day like a few weeks ago and then got nominated for a bunch of grammys and the interest spiked again she is very popular and kind of driven by tiktok once again tiktok dominates the trends I don't know uh, my wife and, and, like I said, a few members of the, the team here at Canda were very interested and offered to come in and be like Doja Cat experts for us. But, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I've heard a couple of her songs, but I don't know much about her.
1: All I have to say about that is I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And now what I'm with isn't it anymore. And what
0: it seems weird and scary. And it'll happen to you, too. Thanks, Grandpa Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so squish from Squishmallows to Doja Cat and all the way back round to Dad Jokes, you can find all that and more. There are multiple extra trends to be digging into on the Trendwatch newsletter. So you can go to Systrix.com slash trends and find the blog posts for the each monthly Trendwatch there. Or you can sign up for the newsletter and I highly recommend you do that because you get it straight to your inbox as soon as it's released. So yeah, highly recommend you go and check that out. Go to the website cistrix.com slash trends And sign up for the newsletter there to get all these lovely trends delivered straight to you.
1: So We've got some performance max updates to talk about. So we're veering off into PPC land again. I think it's really interesting to me because I I used to do kind of both PPC Mm -hmm. and SEO. And I've definitely over the years kind of just got more into my seo lane now
0: whereas i am very much an seo purist i've done i've done tiny little smidges of ppc over the years but really not much and pretty much only paid social stuff so i am a pretty pure seo to say the least
1: i saw a discussion uh it's actually today on twitter about some people didn't know that the google keyword tool uh, gives you different monthly search volume results based on whether you are actively spending money on your Google
0: oh, ads before. because yeah. if you don't, it gives you like the range, doesn't it? It does like 100 to 10,000 or whatever. It's like, oh, that doesn't... Yeah, like a yeah. ridiculous range yeah. or
1: like 10K to 100K <laughs> per month. So, and then the actual, if you actually are spending money, it's like, yeah, it's 720. <laughs> and it always feels really cruel to me because it feels like maybe the people that aren't spending money are the people with the lower budgets who need the most help. And Google's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's between 10,000, 100,000 million or something. I mean, we talked
0: about it a lot. Google wanted you to spend that money <laughs> yeah. so they could make that money.
1: So. And then you spend some money and Google's like, yeah, no, mate, it's 720. <laughs> yeah, I knew it all along. I was, I was just being difficult. So anyway, I, there was a there were few people that didn't know that who work in SEO and it just sort of highlighted to me there's fairly big things that happen within PPC that maybe we're not aware of. So I do like to cover the bigger stuff that's happening in PPC as well. I think naturally we mainly talk about SEO. Yeah, Um, It's something when we had uh, Rob, our senior PPC specialist on in the last episode, quite a lot that we spoke about that a lot of the PPC updates that happen, happen without fanfare.
0: Yeah, we talked about this. I mean, the SEO community is very vocal. You have Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Roundtable, all these kind of big publications. And those guys on Twitter, like Barry, cover cover every possible thing and every potential Google update and every possible algorithm shift and anything like that, any SERP updates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, with PPC, a lot of it will change. And I only find out because one of our PPC team here will go, hey, have you guys seen this on Slack? And I'll be like, no. Why would I have seen that? I was like, well, that just changed, and it fundamentally changes how all this thing works. It's like, oh, okay. You now have to spend three times as much money, and you don't have a choice. I'm like, <laughs> That sounds illegal. It's like, nope, that's just how Google Ads works now. Yeah, that's the flavor of the, uh, he,
1: the updates. Pretty
0: much. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about Performance
1: Max. So for those that don't know, Performance Max is a campaign type. Uh, it's a goal-based campaign type on Google Ads that allows advertisers to access... Uh, basically all of the Google Ads inventory from a single campaign. So it's designed to complement the keyword-based search campaigns. But essentially, with this one campaign, you can run ads across all of Google's channels. So YouTube, uh, Display, Search as well, Discover, Gmail, Maps, everything. It's very unceremoniously veering us towards the hey just give us some money and we'll do everything don't yeah. even tell us where you want to advertise we'll just do it
0: we'll decide it for you yeah
1: so we're running a few performance max campaigns now uh, for clients as a b tests against other types of performance campaigns and manual campaigns because you know it's good to know what does actually work and what works for some people won't work for another So Google says, um, to finish off kind of the intro for Performance Max, Performance Max helps you drive performance based on your specific conversion goals, delivering more conversions and value by optimizing performance in real time and across channels using smart bidding. Performance Max combines Google's automation technologies across bidding, budget optimization, audiences, creatives, attribution, and more. They're all empowered by your specific advertising objective, for example if you have a cost per acquisition or return on ad spend target and the creative assets audience signals and optional data feeds you provide so it really is a chuck all the data you've got at us you know uh, audience data be as specific as you can be with what you want to get out the end and we will pull the levers and see what comes out the yeah. uh, end I for mean, you.
0: We, we've talked about automation earlier on in the episode we talk about it so much at seo it is a huge thing that is becoming a controversial subject in PPC as well. I know a lot of our PPC guys are kind of bouncing up against it and Google is insisting like, no, 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 automate this thing and Performance Max is a big part of that. They're really kind of driving a lot of the ad spend towards this kind of campaign rather than the manual things and you're totally right, Mac. a lot of people, a lot of experienced PPC people are now running them in parallel, comparing the results, running some A-B testing. I think that's kind of key at this stage right before before google doesn't give you a choice (laughs) yeah and you know honestly i think
1: long term these kind of campaigns will give better results Mm. for advertisers there are all kinds of ethical issues and you know the not having the transparency of where the money's going Um, and certainly i can fully understand why if you've spent a decade you know driving in manual flying in manual and then suddenly someone's like hey let's switch the autopilot on <laughs> um you're going to feel out of control um and we are still in this in this choppy period of they're trying to get us to use it but it's not certainly certainly not in all cases uh working well you know so it's kind of like put the autopilot on yeah kind of crashed last time but it'll be <laughs> probably fine this time you know and we're responsible for to clients at the end of the day yeah, right so yeah. it, it's kind of like you're you know, you're accountable, but you're making Google responsible. So it's a difficult position to be in. Definitely. So there are a few updates to Performance Max. There's there's several, um, and I've just picked out um, a couple that I found um, interesting. So in-store goals. So Performance Max has been focused kind of on online performance, but now Performance Max campaigns will have the ability to optimize towards store sales goals. And so this means driving more in-store sales actual footfall to yes, your brick and mortar stores. exactly visits local actions um so these are additions that are going to give you know if you've got physical presence bricks and mortar business a reason to test out these performance uh, max campaigns in your that's account
0: that's very interesting again steve and i kind of talked about this when we were talking about the primark website i know we always talk about the primark website <laughs> because it, it's it's still fascinating and weird and having an online presence that then tries to drive footfall is always interesting to me i'm always fascinated by how that works for different businesses so i'm very intrigued to see you know how successful this can be for the businesses that rely on that you know in person local visitors all that kind of stuff and actually being able to harness the power of google ads and stuff like that and bring that into a a, a way to kind of build on your tra- foot literal foot traffic rather than <laughs> website traffic
1: yeah, right. They've, they've, they've launched, um, at, well, they're launching at the same time, uh, what are called burst campaigns. So This burst feature works with the in-store goals in Performance Max campaigns. Um, and it essentially allows you to set like a time frame to hit the goals. And I think it's smart because basically it's going to be like for seasonal traffic. Because I, I reckon there's there's definitely a whole bunch of seasonal things where people go to shops way more so you know coming up in the uk we've got like father's day soon and i'm sure there's gonna be a whole bunch of people who probably like me leave things to the last minute and then you're like oh well i just have to go in somewhere and pick something up certainly things like um shopping around holidays like christmas like lots of people enjoy that experience so being highly visible yeah at that time is going to be is going to be good for people and you know if we can get that that measurement the classic
0: picking up a present on the garage on the way there oh god i need to frantically write the card in the back of my (laughs) car speaking not from experience
1: (laughs) (laughs) and lastly uh i wanted to talk about performance max for hotels so this is another um performance max campaign update that's scheduled in for the second half of 2022 so a bit later and it's the addition of hotel advertising specifically This expansion is going to allow hotels to leverage Performance Max to promote properties across Google channels, including property specific queries on search. The hotel implementation in Performance Max will feature pre-populated asset groups for all hotel properties and the images, descriptions and videos will be auto generated. Advertisers will have the ability, though, to review and edit these as well. So again, more automation. That bit about performance max for hotels came from um, a search engine land article that we'll link to. So they've covered um, seven updates that are coming to performance max. These were the three that interested me the most. I think it's super interesting that they're now kind of refocusing on the whole offline bricks and mortar side of things. Of course, one of the updates that they'll cover is more automated suggestions that they want you to apply, which again, Always a little bit sceptical going in, but yeah, some important updates coming to PMAX. You can check it out on the notes at search.withcanda.co.uk to so round off the podcast with a very nice plugin I discovered for WordPress, which is the Edge Images plugin by Jono Alderson. Good old Jono Alderson. Shout out to Jono Alderson. He seems more quiet nowadays. I used to see him a lot in my feeds. I see him less in my feed now, but he's obviously doing some decent work. So, Jono has shared this um, link on GitHub, which is his Edit Images, or Edge, sorry, images plugin, which is a WordPress plugin which automatically uses an Edge transformation service, such as Cloudflare or Accelerated Domains, to apply performance optimizations to image markup which is it's in itself a little bit of a mouthful mm. but we haven't even started yet <laughs> um, so he's done a little write-up uh, which i'll read to you about what problems does this solve so let me go through this with you so wordpress ships with a concept of image sizes each of which has a height width and crop option it provides some defaults like large medium and thumbnail and provides ways for developers to customize or extend these options. When a user adds images to content or includes them in templates, they must
0: select the most optimal size from the options available. If you've used a WordPress site before, this all seems pretty straightforward so far, right? That makes sense to me, being a person who has added images to (laughs) WordPress sites before.
1: Brilliant. So the issue is this is often imprecise. Images are often loaded at roughly the right size, then they're shrunk or stretched by the browser by varying degrees of inaccuracy based on the user's context, such as viewport size, screen density, or content preferences. This is inefficient and quote-unquote expensive from a performance perspective. WordPress attempts to mitigate this by generating source set and sizes values in image markup. However, this isn't sophisticated enough to consider the context of where an image is output and how the optimal sizes should be calculated based on theme layout slash behavior and user conditions.
0: I think we've all seen images stretched and deformed going from desktop to mobile and vice versa. So yeah, okay, so far makes sense. In an ideal world,
1: the user would always receive an appropriately sized image based on a combination of the template context and the user's context. That's far more flexibility than WordPress currently supports. This plugin solves these problems by, one, allowing users slash developers to specify more sophisticated sizes and source set logic for each image based on its optimal template behavior, and two, providing a large number of quote-unquote interstitial source set values that are generated via an edge provider in order to avoid storage and generation overheads
0: nice okay so
1: essentially it's giving you the options to make your image sizing more precise and giving you kind of lots of fallbacks that are generated on the edge to to essentially as john has so eloquently written up fix that issue with wordpress so John has obviously worked with Yoast. It's, it's supported, works with Yoast, this plugin. You obviously do need a, um, an edge provider like Cloudflare to use this, which I imagine most people hopefully do now that are interested in SEO and optimization. But um, I, yeah, I discovered this today. I'm, I've am i got a WordPress blog, so I'm going to check it out. Again, you can find it at the show notes, of course, which is search.withcanda.co.uk.
0: That's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back next week, Monday the 6th of June. But until then, thank you very much for listening and have a lovely, lovely week.